as we start this third week of Advent, the candle that we light on this particular Sunday in church tradition has been the candle of joy. Generally, the candle, uh, if we were following tradition, would be pink in color. The Generally, the pink candle out of the candles in the, uh, the, the Advent wreath is designed for you and I to see a physical expression of joy. So a priest would wear pink on the third week of Advent so that their clothes would remind people of joy. The candle was pink. And when you think about this on many occasions, choosing a color generally is around us choosing to express ourselves in generally a very clear and powerful way. A lot of times when parents are getting ready to bring a child into the home, they'll paint the nursery a color that brings them joy. A lot of times if it's a female, it'll be pink. If it's a boy, it'll be blue. And, and they'll, they'll put that fresh coat of paint on to help us to remember joy. Our candle is white, as all of the candles in our wreath are this year, um, to continue to show us the simplicity and our desire to just rest in our anticipation of Jesus Christ. But today it is about joy, joy that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we have lit this candle representing joy because we know that when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, when we allow ourselves to be fully present with Jesus, there is joy. Father, right now we need joy. We need to experience joy. We need to experience Christ in a new way during this season of winter, during this season of pandemic, Lord, during this season for many of joblessness, during this season, Father, of frustration for many. Father, I pray that we as the body of Christ would bring joy with us into the relationships that you have allowed us to have. And we thank you that we have that gift in Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, church family. It's good to be together again today, um, walking through this journey of Advent as one, as we come into the third week of Advent, a week that's traditionally centered on joy. Uh, my name is Blake. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Gallery Church downtown. And this is Jason, Lauren, Bobby, and Lauren. And we're so grateful for the chance to sing these songs as an expression of our faith as we journey through this season. Today, we're singing about light, light breaking through darkness, and singing about joy in a season that might feel a little joyless right now in the world that we're facing. But I pray the words that we sing today center us in the story that brings us to church every Sunday, that Christ is with us. Christ has died and is risen and is coming again. And even in this Christmas season, we are centered on the person of Jesus God's presence with us always, a light that's breaking through and pushing back the darkness. So let us sing together.
I'd like to take a moment in our gathering right now to guide us through um, a time of generosity. This is something that we're doing for the first time. And so if you've been with us for a long time, this is a new element in our worship gathering, even though we have talked about giving. And for those of you that's your first time journeying with us here, we welcome you and I'm excited that you get a chance to partake in this with us as we do this for the first time. Because part of our desire as a staff and as pastors and as leaders in the church 
is to continue to shape the image of God in us uh, that matches and looks like his generosity. God intended for us to be a generous people and Jesus was a perfect display of what that generosity looked like because he is our guide. And so this moment in our gathering is designed for us to be able to see Christ and to be able to be reminded of what the early church was encouraged to do and what we've been encouraged to do as we look to be a display of God here in Baltimore. So if you're comfortable um, and you're able to do this with me, we're gonna place a pre-written prayer on the screen that I'm gonna be praying and I want you to be able to join me in that. But since this is our first time, if you just want to read that prayer rather than say it out loud as an expression of your own heart, I understand. But if, if you want to walk in this prayer with me and participate in this prayer, I encourage you to do so. This is a prayer on generosity. So let's pray this together if you feel comfortable. Father in heaven, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself, to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord and who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds. Who withstanding the delusion of riches that chokes the world whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all of the world. Amen. I would like to encourage you to take a moment now to give. You can do that through the app or online at gcbdowntown.com forward slash giving. Um, and, and I just want to remind you guys of a couple of things because your generosity helps. Right now, there is a homeless community around the building where we used to gather that we're able to provide and minister to on a weekly basis. And that has been expanding. And because of your generosity, we've been able to continue to do that. And we've also been able to help families in our church with even some basic things just like food. And, and now into this, this season of Advent, preparing for Christmas, providing even gifts that, that people are going to be able to experience the joy of the season because of your faithfulness and generosity. So church, let's continue to look like our Father in heaven and be a generous people and join us in the act of giving. Thank you.
Hello, everyone. My name is Lauren, and I'm going to be reading the Old Testament scripture for us today, which is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Good morning. My name is Jason, and I'm going to be reading from the First Testament, New Testament, Ephesians 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Hi, everyone. My name is Lauren, and I'm going to be reading um, our gospel scripture. It's found in Luke 1, uh, 76 through 79. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which we are the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet onto the path of peace. Hello Church, Advent week three, joy. There's so many things that man just come rushing to mind that need to be said. There's so much happening. This is a Wednesday night that I'm recording and we have a new mayor locally. We have new orders that are being given. There's so much happening that's new and real time and and I'm still trying to get comfortable and like what do I say to the camera and what do we uh, need to, to have in some sort of meeting. So I encourage you to mark your calendar for the January 9th town hall meeting at 10 a.m. I know it was announced earlier. wanted to draw some attention to it here now in my teaching because there's so much we need to talk about, so much that I'm looking forward to sharing and ways that we can be the church together. But now we are in Advent. We are in week three. We've had three incredibly powerful scripture passages read to us. And I want to find ourselves getting centered in this. And so I want to start 
with the fact that today's teaching is about Jesus being the morning, or another way of putting it is light, that morning light, that that pushing back of the darkness of the evening. And so we're going to be focusing on that today. But there's been a lot of studies and things that have been done as it relates to you and I uh, allowing ourselves to be in darkness. Darkness in those scientific studies um, has a huge disorienting effect on us. There were studies that I was reading in preparation for this that talked about how people thought that they had taken like a 30 minute nap, but they had literally slept for days. And then other ways around, they had, they had slept for days and then turned around and thought they had just taken a nap. And so it's disorienting. There's, there's things that begin, we lose sight of time, we lose sight of a lot of the other senses and our mind begins to play tricks on us. And even the Discovery Channel tried to release a show called Darkness, and I don't even—I don't think they completed season one. But they had contestants that agreed to to be placed in the pitch darkness of these caves, and they had to find one another. And and they these actors and these people in these reality shows were talking about the impact and the effect on darkness on us. Now, darkness in the Bible. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that they were literally in the a place absent of light in total darkness. A lot of times it is used to describe what it's like to be in sin. But I, I, I love Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3 because after that first chapter, the tone is set. The first words spoken by God were, say it out loud with me. Let there be light. That was the first word spoken by God that brought all of us to life, all of creation to life. This, the image of God began to start showing when he was speaking, let there be light. Darkness, in darkness, things are in chaos. In darkness, there's a mess. In darkness, things are not the way that they're supposed to be. In darkness, we get disoriented. We think what's up is actually down and what's down is actually up. And so often in that, we even many times when we are in darkness, especially as the way the Bible describes it, even in our own lives and testimony, we probably could agree that many times when we are in darkness, good is actually evil and evil is actually good. We get totally disoriented, but I want to remind you of what Advent is. Advent is us between the arrivals of Jesus Christ. So Advent, what we're talking about these four Sundays and what we're trying to make sense in the wisdom of God, the authority of God, and now Jesus as light, as the morning, is the fact that we are aware that Jesus has come and we are aware that Jesus is coming again. And now you and I are in between that, in between the arrival of Christ that we're celebrating at Christmas and the return of Christ that we long for and we hope for. Because we know he came, we have a stronger hope that he's coming. And we struggle through what is known as darkness. And that's what I want to talk about today. And so the excerpt from the O Antiphone uh, this historic set of songs talking about what we believe in this, the truth about Jesus, truth about the Messiah, truth about his coming and his coming again is called the O Morning Star portion of the O Antiphone. Let me read it out loud. It's in the app if you want to read along with me. It's also on the screen with me. 
O morning star, bright light, eternal dawn, sun of justice, shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. Be our guide on the path of righteousness. Come now and show us the light that brings eternal joy. So today, my desire in the Isaiah 9 and the Luke 1 passage in particular is to help us to see people that were in darkness but were introduced to a great light. Zechariah's story is a beautiful story. We actually spent a lot of time on Zechariah. A few of our Christmas series, our Advent series is in years past. We talked about this powerful passage from Zechariah where this faithful priest had not seen God or heard God in his ministry, but now in old age has been told that he's going to have a son and his son through his wife Elizabeth was going to be John the Baptist and be this one that announced that the light was coming, that light was going to be pushing back darkness, that our sins were going to be forgiven. And so Zechariah was going through so much and, and he was hearing these prophecies and, and he was made mute until the baby was born. And there's so much about Zechariah I want to encourage you. I don't want to get distracted in today. But in the words coming out of this passage, it was out of God's great compassion that the dawn of the new light, this, this light, this morning light of Christ was going to guide people to peace. And so we, we hear this compassion of God, the power of Christ, the light of Christ that, that, that pushes back that darkness, but is also going to bring us to the path of peace. Jesus is the morning. Jesus is the light. Jesus is where we find our darkness being pushed back. So today there's three things about darkness and light that I want us to understand as it relates to Jesus. So we're going to lay the foundation for darkness. We're going to lay the foundation for Jesus. But there's three things that we're going to talk about that Jesus's light brings to us. I'm going to give them to you real fast, but then we're going to spend some time on each one. They are, we are forgiven, we are free, and we can flourish. Forgiven, free, and flourishing are the things that we find. And so we are forgiven in Luke 1, 77 through 79. Listen to this. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of God. So we are granted the forgiveness of our sins because we have been sitting in our sins. We have been sitting in darkness this phrase of sitting in sin is, is echoes from the Old Testament in Isaiah 9. It echoes in several other of the prophecies and the writers of Psalms. It represents us sitting in sin. It brings back for the people of Israel what it was like to be held in captivity in Egypt. So much of the language in Isaiah is a reflection on their past and in their story of what it was like to be in that Exodus journey. And I would encourage you to take time to reflect on that, to think about what it would have been like to be an enslaved people for over 400 years. And then I want to remind you that the ninth plague on Egypt was darkness. So much of the story of Israel surrounded darkness and the illustration of what that darkness would mean to them. It's easy for us to talk about darkness, but yet not begin to make it personal because the children of Israel, when they were in Egypt and the children of Israel, many times in the prophet's time would hear about darkness and their response would be, we have sinned. 
That was their response. We have sinned against our God. It's easy for us to just say, I can't wait for Jesus to return. I can't wait for him to get rid of the wickedness in the world. How terrible is the wickedness now? Even creation is groaning in the devastations from fires and storms and wind and, and, and tornadoes and just the ways that the things are happening on the earth. There's a groaning in creation. There's been a groaning between people and humanity where people are raising up in hate hatred against one another or rising up in hatred against one another and that has been the human story the human condition this darkness has been on us and it is so easy for us to say god we want you to come back and calm the storms the storms in humanity the storms in creation but it's not easy for you and i to take time to say jesus would you come back because i'm sick of the sin in me our longing is so often, God, fix the brokenness in the world. But we, for some reason, many times fail to see that we are a part of that brokenness. We are sitting in that sin, in that darkness. He doesn't just come to fix the problems of the world. He comes to shine a light to fix the problem that is actually in here, inside of us, inside of me, inside of you. That's why this great light came. Not just for the blanket of humanity where we could kind of get lost in it, but it becomes personal. It's like Jesus actually did this for me. But it's not just about me. It's about all of us. But I'm a sinner too. And I was in darkness and he's brought me into a great light. Jesus offers us forgiveness. He is bringing that great light into our day. And I kind of alluded to this in the way I was describing it, but forgiveness isn't a very popular thing in our culture today, especially in America and other places around the world. So often we kind of play around it and because you and I know that if we admit that we need to ask for forgiveness, we're admitting that we're guilty. So often we mask our forgiveness where, with stuff like, I, well, I wasn't really wrong. I just want to mend the relationship or I wasn't really... You know, and so we, we mask the truth that we were guilty of sin with excuses. And that's what has become the accepted norm in our society. We don't want there to be any moral sins. We don't want there to be sins of omission. We don't want there to be sins of commission. We, don't, we only want to talk about what we see in other people. But we're failing to see that you and I sin. And we put boundaries on it. Just one simple way of doing it. I mean, this is a great season for me because I love Christmas cookies. But usually what people say at this particular time of the year, well, I shouldn't eat this cookie, but I'll just, I'll walk an extra mile tomorrow. I'll do an extra 15 minutes of cardio. Or, or like for me, I ate the entire box of double stuffed Oreo cookies on two glasses of milk and I need to up my exercise game. You know, it's like, so we know that there's right and wrong, but yet we look for ways to get around it. It's a simple illustration that we, you and I all struggle with sin and we're longing for forgiveness. If we're really honest, we long for that forgiveness. And the announcement of this searching through Advent is, is that forgiveness has come. The light of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus pushing back darkness, it has come. He is that for us. Praise God, the light is here. So forgiveness, we are forgiven, but we also are free 
Luke 1, 77 through 78 is this bringing to life of Psalms 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because of Jesus, because of him. We are free. Darkness, the, the presence of that danger does not have a victory over us. Isaiah 9, 4 was this prophecy, this idea of the time of Midian, you, you shatter the rod of the oppressor. Whatever is oppressing us, whether it's ourselves oppressing ourselves, whether it's others oppressing us, wrongs that people have done to us, systemic issues, whatever, Jesus is the crusher of the oppressor. And the more we draw into him, or like last week, we walk into that door that he's unlocked for us, we begin to see that we're free. Those things no longer have control over us. Jesus has changed things. We're no longer slaves to things. And let me just use a simple example again, just to help us to be aware our calendar and the way that we function on a day-to-day -day basis was set up on the birth of Jesus Christ. This person wasn't just a significant historic figure because of the light that he has brought because of the forgiveness that has come and because of the freedom that the world has experienced because of Jesus Christ even though it's still not perfect because of the things that have happened our calendar has been set on his arrival because it is so important and Jesus is excuse me Jesus has won the victory over Satan he and his oppression cannot win out over us in our belief in him. But let me just go ahead and say this. I've been dealing with this in counseling situations with people for my entire ministry. But in recent days, a lot just around people I've been talking to through this pandemic. And they keep wondering what God is up to. But can I just say this? Satan isn't our only oppressor that needs to be defeated. Many of us, the worst oppressor to our lives is ourself, is the, peop, is the things that we're choosing to do with our heart, mind, soul. That's why we talked about last week, the Romans 12, like when we walk through that door, we're walking through the reprogramming of our mind because we are wired to be in darkness. We're disoriented and we need to be reoriented into the ways of Jesus. Let me ask this question in a little bit different way of you today. What if you are the worst God you have ever known? What if you are the worst God you've ever known? Because I know a lot of times we don't view it that way, but when we actually take time to do a life assessment, what we're spending our time on, what our thoughts are about, the choices that we are making, who is your God? Is Jesus king of your life or are you there? Have you taken the pen and said, I'm going to write my own story? Because when you do that, it's very likely that the weight of that power is going to suffocate you. That is a huge amount of weight to say, I'm going to take the authority to etch out everything that there is about my life. But when in actuality, that power belongs to our Lord and King Jesus Christ. We are weary of being our own authority. We are weary of the weight of trying to find our own identity. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. He has forgiven us and he has set us free to be his brothers and sisters, the father's sons and daughters, so that we can flourish, which is the last point we can flourish. Luke 1 is a picture of flourishing for our humanity. He is guiding us to a path of peace. 
And like I shared last week, when we lit the peace candle, peace is not just no war. Peace is not just things being okay. Peace is adding good things to our lives. Peace is the presence of something better. Peace is the things going the way that they're supposed to go. My right relationship with God, my right relation with each other, my right relationship with creation. That is true shalom. That is true peace. The world becomes alive in Jesus Christ. Everything is in the right place and functioning in the right way. And because of Jesus, the light of Christ, we can step into that flourishing. The Romans during the time of Christ before and after, they said peace, but they use murder and profit and power in their economics and their military to crush people and say, we're doing this because we want to bring peace to you. Followers of Jesus, we know the real peace in Christ and real peace in Jesus Christ isn't how much it costs other people in order to experience peace. It is how much Jesus himself paid, how much it cost him so that you and I can have peace. The way of the world is I'm going to harm you into doing what I want so that we can be at peace. That was Rome. That's the way many of our relationships are. But the way of Christ is I'm going to lay my life down for you so that you can have peace. And that's what we need to be reminded of as we step into this season of Advent. We are forgiven. We are free, but we are freed so that we can flourish. Zechariah was experiencing what it was like to be in the light where he could flourish. Isaiah was longing for the day that the light would come so that people could flourish. We know that Jesus has arrived. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that there is still darkness. And a lot of that darkness isn't because Satan is still on the throne. He's been defeated. The reason that darkness is still here is because you and I on many occasions still want to be our own God. So today, could we lay that down? Could we just say, my eyes are fixed on Jesus, my one true Lord and King, the one that is worthy, the one who's brought light. I'm going to step out of the darkness, which I'm conditioned for. I've been disoriented in it and feel more comfortable in darkness than I do the light. But I am going to go through what it takes to allow myself to be oriented with Christ. What was once up is now down. What has once been down is now up. And I am getting my right perspective because I've drawn near to the light of Jesus Christ. So today I just want to ask you, have you ever placed your trust in Christ? Have you ever stepped into the light? I want to encourage you to do that today. You can email our prayer team. They'd be happy to pray with you. But all you need to say is, I just believe that Jesus came to forgive me. I believe that Jesus has freed me. And I believe, believe that Jesus wants me to flourish. If you said that today, I just want you to email us and let us know at prayer at gcbdowntown.com so that we can begin to take steps with you to help us get our orientation in the light and begin to deal with the junk that the darkness, the sin that we've been sitting in for so long and how it has harmed us, how we can begin to function in the light. Let us help you do that through this Advent and getting ready for Christmas. No greater gift we could give our family than to be people that are following after Jesus and have allowed ourselves to be reoriented to the light that he has provided for us. Let's pray together. As the children of God, there is no better feeling than knowing that you have been chosen, pursued, 
acknowledged, heard, and loved. Jesus, you have come to this earth to do just that for us. You have shown us through the Old Testament and the New that you have come to pursue and to save the lost, the unforgiven, unforgivable, the castaway, the unchosen. You have simply said, follow me, and you didn't ask a single question. You were not afraid to be associated with the tax collectors, with the Samaritan woman, with the leper. You are our hope, you are our peace, and you are provider of faith. Lord, may we know to expect from you our freedom of sin, our freedom of belonging to all other things but you. Lord, may we expect being accepted by you because you have never failed us and you never will. And for that, we just praise your name. God, let us find hope and peace in none other than you this season. Help us not substitute you with anything else we do want and seek. God, we pray for you to come for us once again and to pursue us in the areas of our lives where we have walked away from you, departed from your ways which you have taught us. Lord, may we meet you this Advent season with great expectation because you have come to call the sinners, as you said in Matthew 9:13, and that includes all of us. Lord, we pray that you lead us to walk after you and that you help us fix our eyes on you and continue to trust you as you lead us in all the areas of our lives. God, help us know this. You are faithful. You are in the business of turning things upside down, disrupting the processes, leading 91 for the one, just for the sake of drawing us near to you and all the while pursuing us daily when we do not pursue you. God, we pray that you help us choose you and expect things like this from you because you are able and you have called us to do so. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey there, Gower Church. It's time for us to come to the table. And when we come to the table, it's, it's meant to be personal. It's meant to, to cause us to reflect and not just to look at the bread and the cup, but to look at one another, to look at our Father in heaven, to look at ourselves. And so, you know, we come to the, to this because number one, Jesus told us to do so. And he, then he told the disciples to do it as often as they could to have a meal and remember what he did for them and what he taught them and how he had taken all of these commands that they had been taught as kids and had simplified it even to one basic command where he said, love one another as I have loved you. And so this is a, a place for us to remember how Jesus loved and how we are to love one another. So let's pray together. Father, I come to you right now at this table and I might be at this table by myself in this space, but Father, it is my desire that we are connected um, through this video, through this 
form of communication in the throne room of our Father in heaven. Father, pull the veil back for all of us. Father, we want to remember. We want to take a moment now and remember the example of love. The story of that love and that great coming of light for us. Father, we also want to take time to look at each other. Father, forgive us for the things we've done to one another. Forgive us for the things we've said and done to you. Father, forgive us for the things that we have done that we're not even aware that we've done them. Father, we know that we have been sitting in darkness too long and we need your light. We need to be renewed. We need to be reoriented. And Father, this table is a great place for us to start. So, Father, help us to be aligned with your will and your way and to live our lives as an example of love the way that Jesus loved us. Amen. Guys, right now, I'd love for you to take some of the bread and I'd love for you to break it off. And I'd love for you to hold it up to one another, the people that are around you, and to look at them and each one of us say it out loud and each one of us hear what we need to remember. This was his body broken for you. Let's take time to hold the cup together and remind each other that this is an example of his blood that was shed for us. This was his blood for our forgiveness of sins. Let's take time now to proclaim that great mystery of faith together. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Church, as we come to the end of our gathering, the time of our formal benediction, I just want to continue to encourage you uh, to remain diligent with each other, intentional with each other, reaching out to one another, respond to one another in great love. So here's our going out, our final words. As we end this, as we leave this video discussion together, this video worship together, may you and I allow ourselves to step out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Christ has come to bring light. May we allow that light to reorient us this week we have been sitting in darkness too long. We have sinned, not just the world, not just the broken world, but we have sinned. We need the light of Christ. Let him do his work in us this week. May God's grace and peace be with you. Thank you guys so much.
Flocks were sleeping, shepherds keeping vigil till the morning moon. Saw the glory, heard the story, tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, praises voicing, breathe the morrow, Christ the baby. Born for you, Christ the baby.